is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to an ep- another episode of the Rams Review Podcast with myself, Jason. I'm back, finally. My own podcast and I've not been for the last couple of weeks, but... I'm back firing the Wi-Fi signals, uh, holding out in this hotel, so we're all good. Corey's here as always. Corey, hello. Jason, you're welcome that I held the fort down, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're back. Although you could have took the hint and not showed back up, but no, I'm just kidding, man. It's good to have you back back alongside me today, Jay. And, and we're joined by two others. It's not just a two-man booth; it's a special four-man booth for the run-in. We've got a returning guest, Andy Buckley Taylor. Andy, how the heck are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Definitely a lot better off after three points at the weekend, which we're going to get on to. And joining us for a podcast debut, but you may know him from the writing he's been doing over the last several weeks and months for us, Jack Bryan from Jack Bryan Football. Jack, welcome to the podcast, and how are you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm I'm good, thanks. Yeah, um, just, you know, good win at the weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's always better to talk on a podcast, Jay, after uh, after a win, isn't it? It is, and as we were just discussing off air, there was there was going to be an hell of a rant coming from me because a, a few things I'm going to point out in a minute. But obviously, the three points do kind of do kind of cushion the blow a little bit. But I still think they're they're important things to bring up, Corey. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much of the game you saw. Obviously, Andy Jack, I'm sure we all we all saw it. Um, that first half. Oh, I'll start the first off. I was sat through it, looking at it. We've just had seven days off. Well, the majority of the squad have just had seven days off. We're playing a Preston side that have got nothing to play for, who just before the international break have been dicked by Luton 4-0. And for the first 45 minutes of that game, Luton, uh, Preston, I thought, absolutely bossed Derby. Derby just didn't get to didn't get to grips with it. And Corey, we've had this conversation before about, in, you know, and I mentioned it on the, on the brief bit I did on the podcast last time before the international break. Coming back, knowing knowing that this hat is an absolute must win, and they've had, they've had a chance to recuperate. Yet, and, and you know this is no knock on Preston or anything like that. You know Preston are, are a mid table side in this division, and they can cause they can cause trouble on the day. But Derby should be going out there from from the off, and we've said it too many times over over the, definitely of course this season and, and previous. Derby, especially at home as well. Derby needed to stamp that authority in in the first five ten minutes. They looked disorganised. It looked like Preston had done a job on them. I mean, if Preston had got a striker, Derby could have been two 0 down at half time quite comfortably. I thought with some of the chances that they were creating, and Derby just didn't look at the races. And to be honest with you, even in the second half, I think Preston kind of took the foot off the gas a bit. And it wasn't it was it was a mixture of that and obviously the introduction of Bielik and uh, and Morrison that kind of gave gave Derby a little bit of something. But I think if you actually look at the stats, weirdly enough, Derby created quite a few chances on Saturday. But it, as a as a viewing spectacle, it didn't really didn't really seem like that. And th- that was the first part of kind of like the rant, Corey. That I wanted. To, I'll start with you. That I, I you know I wanted to touch on because a team who are absolutely up against it, and we know that they're up against it. You, I'm, I just I was just a bit disappointed. If if Derby hadn't walked away with the three points, I'd I'd be livid from that. I'd be angry too. If you're playing Preston, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, it's Preston North End. They just got smashed four nil ahead of the before the international break to Luton Town. Which, granted, Luton is a pretty good team in some weird alternate reality that we live in now. They're they're like a playoff team, whatever. But Preston, yeah, Preston aren't a great team. Um, I was looking at their result, and you're thinking this is a decent fixture after the international break. But I agree with you, Jason. I think when you come out the blocks, and especially when you're at home. You want to be able to have a fast start. I think those are important in this league. Um, we know how important the, the first goal is. That's an old cliche, but it, it rings true. Um, and I think it was, you know, a bit flat, really. And it was something that I don't think any of us really expected, uh, especially after everyone's had the break. I know when I was talking to Ryan Conway and I said, 
on the last pod and we said like maybe it was a good time for the international break because it seemed like some of the players were starting to fade a little bit right they they get 10 days off they can go and do their own uh thing they can just step away from football we know Sibley from Instagram was in Paris uh looking at the Eiffel Tower must be great um I look at my neighbor's house next door so whatever when I'm on a break uh because I'm not a footballer but you know it must be nice to be able to get away and then you put in a, a, a kind of a just a disjointed lackluster kind of performance like that um you know it's surprising but it's not surprising the fact that the game changed when two internationals came on and obviously I know Rooney said that he probably wanted to start Ravel but he didn't get back late until Jamaica from Jamaica uh international duty so you know he was a bit jaded and Bielik as well we know how important he is to this side so again Jabi made the bench but again the internationals play late on like a Thursday and they don't get they get back late and then that affects them for the for the league game um, which is something which is just a strange thing that we're in. So it's not surprising that the game changed um, at all. But let's be honest. I mean, Preston had run out there with like Chet Evans. I mean, I don't know how old Chet Evans is. We know his history. I'm not going to go into it on the podcast because I don't want to have legal people come after me. Right. But like Chet Evans, he was out the game for a long period of time. I mean, come on. He's not really going to strike the fear of death in you, um, you know, nor, nor a lot of the Preston players. And to be fair to Preston, I mean, Tom Lawrence is clear on on goal. The guy takes him straight out, deserve, full, fully deserved red card. I don't know what the Preston guy is trying to do. And then I'm sure we're going to talk about this later in the second half, Jason, but Bird's tackle, you know, we're going to talk about Bird's tackle, I know, but the reaction of the Preston players, it was like, dude, I saw worse tackles this week, this week in the Premier League without reactions like that. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm glad we got the three points because we needed them and Preston are crap. So Jack, I mean, were you feeling the similar sentiments here in terms of, um, how did you view this game in terms of looking at it in terms of a, uh, a lackluster performance or just slot the blocks or what do you make of it? I mean, we got the job done in the end. That's the important thing. I obviously couldn't get to it with, you know, the situation with my leg as it is, but I should get to a couple. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's good. Our first half, we seem to have had a couple of chances, but yeah, they've had a fair few. We that red card kind of that was our kind of hope, I think. That yeah, I was agree. When, I saw that and I was like, "Whoa, we're down to ten men, and it's after half an hour. We're gonna, you know, we got fifty odd minutes of this football match left. We stand in pretty good stead." Yeah, we should have been in control from that point. And it, we again, we have some good chances. Good chances at the start of the second half, if I remember reading that rightly, there were a couple for Buchanan and Lawrence. But it's just, yeah, I mean, 1-0, they've had two weeks that were much needed. I mean, if, you know, before that, they've not had a break for, what, three, four months? But, yeah, it, it came down to the substitutes, didn't it? Yeah, and, and Andy, how, how irritating is these international breaks? Because I was watching some Premier League games, obviously, as well this weekend, and they always tend to put in disjointed performances after the international break. I mean, you would have thought that Derby would have come a little bit quicker out the box. Were you surprised at how slowly they started on Saturday? Yes, I was. But, I mean, we've had these international breaks for a few years now, so players should be used to Yeah, but to them, it's but... still irritating, Andy. It's still irritating. Well, yeah, maybe it is. But it was interesting. Um, we, we had, uh, well, the majority of our players have had uh, 10 days to recharge. And it was the one... <laughs> Um, who who didn't have a break? Uh, Ravel Morrison, when he came on, was the best player on the pitch, and uh, <laughs> there's got to be questions asked uh, about that. But uh, look, you know, like you say, that first half it was pretty lethargic, and uh, Preston were bossing it, and you know, <laughs> we should be doing better. You know, we're t- ten days off, players should be uh, eager, you know, ready for it. And uh, they should be putting out a, a better show than they did. I think when I look at it, and Andy, you know, you, you are you are a man that watches a hell of a lot of Championship football. I mean, obviously Preston, we know play play the three five two, and without Bielik in there, um, you know, that to me, Thompson wasn't involved as well. And I was going to say Derby looked a little bit lightweight in midfield. I know Thompson doesn't really bring you any any power or anything like that, but. The midfield balance for me, I think that's where that first half for me, Preston just just got on top. Derby just couldn't 
just couldn't get a grip in midfield at all. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, you're not, you not you try and change the system. You're not really going to sub players on after 10, 15 minutes. But it was it was quite obvious that Max Bird um, just just on his own just wasn't. And, and Jason, I think Jason Knight, I think it was who was playing alongside him. Th- that's not that's not a natural partnership that we've seen at Derby so far this season in that in those middle two. And it just looked like Preston's experience in that midfield just just took hold. And as I said in the beginning of the piece, if Preston were a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more alert up front, they could have been out of sight at half time. Oh, yeah, totally agree with you, Jason. Uh, I, I think that first, we really were missing Christian Bielik because he's a steady head. He, he's the one that can uh, bring calm to the midfield. Um, Max Bird's had a good season, but uh, Jason Knight playing alongside him, it, it, that's out of position to me. That, that's not his role. And, uh, you know, I don't, think, I don't, I don't know what uh, Wayne Rooney's thinking was behind uh, resting Christian Bielik. But uh, he's a boss. He knows. He knows what games we've got left, and uh, maybe he was uh, trying to preserve some of uh, Felix's uh, energy for the tougher games ahead. I mean, th- this one on paper is one we were looking at winning, but uh, we've got Fulham coming up. So, uh, you know, maybe there's some thinking behind uh, why he put that uh, particular side out. And I think obviously with, with the three points, we, it's it can be we can justify it. It's not a problem. So. Yeah, I mean, like, like the moment, early couple of chances from Preston. Um, they didn't have the shooting boots on, thank God. And then, Corey, you alluded to it a minute ago, the, the first turning point of the match. Tom Lawrence clean through on goal. And I'm going to disagree with you here. I don't think it is a red card. Um, I mean, I know it's last man, sort of, but there was somebody coming over to cover. But I mean, I'm glad it was a red card because obviously it aided it aided Derby. But on first view, and th- I was watching it downstairs in the concourses. I, I mean, when he went down, I thought that was it was a bit theatrical, uh, t- to be honest. But I mean, the ref actually, I thought the, the referee had a pretty decent game actually. Um, what? Yeah, no. I, I are you actually are you actually praising yeah. a referee, Jason? Yeah, no, I think he did. I'm marking that key... down in the ledger. That's the first time all season. <laughs> I think I think he got the key decisions right, and we'll say we'll go on to talk about Max Birds, which is, is definitely a red card in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Lawrence one. I think there's a defender coming over, so I think it, it's a little bit of a fifty-fifty decision. But at the end of the day, how many times have Derby been on the wrong end of those decisions, Corey? It was nice to nice to have one, and, and as Jack alluded to a little bit as well, it that. After that 25-minute period, you kind of went, right, reset. It's almost a reset. We haven't conceded. You know, with 10 men now, I know it's sometimes difficult to play against 10 men, but Preston's got nothing really to play for. It it was Derby's game to to lose, wasn't it, really, more than anything. Um, In that first period and then obviously up into the, what, 10, 15 minutes into that second half, Corey, did you did you think Derby got hold of the game enough? I thought certainly after the beginning and the start of the second half, I thought Derby started to just you know get that little bit more. I think Preston retracted a little bit. As I say, they, they weren't really they weren't really playing for anything. They've got a bigger game is it on Saturday against Blackpool, the big uh, the big Derby out there. So you know they were probably thinking about that. But do you think Derby, as I say, I think- difficult to play against ten men sometimes? But do you think Derby did enough in that twenty minute period? Yeah, I do. I think that I think it's just a systemic issue we've seen from this squad all season. Is you know we've been we've been talking at length at nauseum about how um, how this team never gives up, how this team will fight, how this team continues to to graft and grind out these results. But to that end, they always tend to be slow starters. They always tend to concede the first goal and then go on a good run and then start to play better. You know, after they've been a bit lackluster or lethargic, and I think that that's something obviously that needs to change going into the future. Um, because it's not it's not a, a sustainable practice to continue to do that. I'd like us to get. I, I'd like I would have liked this game. Derby show up after an international break, and we're going to come to grips with Preston. We're going to show Preston the business, um, and and we're going to go out there and, and and dominate this football match. And then they did as they grew into the game. But I would have liked to have seen it from the off. So you know, other than the slow start, like Jack said, the most important thing was the business was done. We got the three points, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, you know, but I just like to see Derby start to dominate games more from the start and really take it to them, especially at home. Um, you know, you've got a crowd there. It's the second largest crowd in the championship this weekend. Um, still coming out in full voice, still coming out in large numbers. So let's just go out there and, and, you know, let the lads, hopefully the lads can come out there 
and give those 23, 25,000 spectators, you know, a reason to cheer, a reason to get off their seat and not to, not to feel antsy or, or, or that kind of thing. Because I think when the fans start to feel antsy, it comes onto the field and, you know, you can tell when you're playing well, you can tell when the atmosphere is the way it is or the game kicks off and you can kind of tell this team's got the bit between their teeth and they're going after it. So hopefully, hopefully we start to see Darby start quicker now for the rest of the season with a higher tempo. Um, that that's definitely what I want to see. Jack, I want to come to you. Um, second half, you know, the substitutions that came on the two internationals, Christian Bielik and Ravel Morrison, they changed the game, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think what uh, Jason alluded to about the uh, midfield struggling, that's where Bielik is so important because he's just, he's got that class, doesn't he? When he's, when he's fit, he's, I mean, there's arguments to say he's a Premier League quality player from a lot of people a lot of the time. And that's that's key to have someone of that echelon amongst the youngsters. Um, and then Morrison, since Felix's been back and he's been able to play further forward, he has been, you know, I mean, I tweeted it after the Barnsley game, uh, a revelation, if you like. But he's, he's key. Has he... Has he finally found a home? Who knows? But he's doing well, certainly, the last few games. I think four goals in his last five or something. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're 100% there. And I think, you know, obviously this is the most appearances he's made um, for one club his entire career, which is insane because he's been playing like 12 years and he's not even played a full season at Derby. And he's been dropped for, Wayne said, post-match, he dropped him for five or six games because he wanted him to work on other things. So, you know, I agree with you, Jack. I think, you know, Ravel Morrison's quality has never been in doubt. I always knew what kind of player he was, what he could potentially be. Um, and it was just kind of finding that home and settling him down and saying, like, this is where you're going to play your football. You know, kind of, I wouldn't say check your ego at the door, but this is this is what you're playing at now. And so I do hope, you know, I mean, he's been an absolute steal for four and a half thousand a week, to be honest with you, uh, this season. And like you said, he's been in great goal scoring form. And we're going to need that because – the lack of a the lack of a solid goal scoring goal poaching number nine, uh, we're we're definitely going to need the goals from midfield to come well from midfield or really anywhere to be honest with you, um, and Ravel Ravel's doing a good job uh, in that. Andy, how impressed have you been over the last few weeks with Ravel Morrison? Uh, I've been very impressed. Uh, I know it was a bit of a gamble at the start of the season uh, when uh, Wayne signed him, but uh, he's come in and he, he, he's done a good job overall over the whole season. But the, the past few weeks. I've, I've uh, shown what he's really is capable of. Um, he seems to have found a home at Derby, but the one thing that uh, the one worry I've got in the back of my mind is um, because of how well he's been playing, and with our weak position uh, regarding players, come the end of the season, that uh, if we're down, some other Championship team is uh, probably going to fancy him, and uh, we're going to have a fight to keep hold of him. But, uh, I mean, I hope he stayed with us. As you say, he's played uh, more games for us than anyone else. Now, I've got a friend who uh, follows the uh, Manchester United uh, Academy, and he says that Ravel Morrison is probably one of the most gifted talents they've ever had there. So, uh, hopefully we can hold on to him, but uh, time will tell. Yeah, definitely. And that's my sentiments, Jason, as Andy's echoed him exactly. I mean... Ravel Morrison next season in League One in the form that he's in would be a pretty tasty opportunity here. Um, obviously, he'd probably be due a pay increase on the four and a half thousand. I don't know because they'd be in League One. I don't know what the budgets are going to look like. But is he is he sticking around, Jay? What do you what do you get the sense? Uh, I I think obviously Wayne Rooney was a was quite a draw for him. He's, he's known him for a while um, from his time together at United. If Rooney stays, can he convince Rav to stay? Yeah, I, I think I think he can. Um, and, and you're right; he would be he would be a, a fantastic player at, at that level. You would you would presume. Uh, but obviously, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll probably touch on it towards the end of the pod. We still don't know what position that we're going to be in. You, you were right; with four and a half grand a week is a steal for a player of that quality. But Derby might not even be able to afford four and a half grand a week next year. Um, so it's, you know, are they really going to take another pay cut? Probably, probably not. But I think, 
you know, like just to touch on everything, what everybody said about him. Uh, he had that, he did have that patch out the side. And then ever since then, I, I think he's been, he, he really has honed in and he was knocking on the door to score a couple of times. And then, yeah, this nice little patch that he's been on um, for, for Derby and obviously Jamaica, he scored uh, for Jamaica as well in the international break. At the end of the day, it's coming at the right time. Like we've alluded to, we, we need somebody who's going to score goals. And you know he has got that he has got that in his locker. Um, and when you know if Lawrence is having an off day, if Rav's there to to put the ball in the back of the net, then yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm not really bothered where it's coming from. I'm a bit like yourself, Corey. I don't I don't really care who scores them. Uh, but you know, just to have that kind of a player to to come on if he's on the bench or even to start, you know, you've got to get him the ball. Because he is the most dangerous. He is that type of player. He is that most dangerous when he's got the ball at his feet, when and he can link up some some really nice play. And yeah, we've we've got a we've got, obviously we've got to wait and see what's going off uh, off the field. But uh, I'd like to see him back next. I'd like to see him back again. Uh, you know, whatever division we're in, uh, I think if if we do the miraculous and stay up, I think there's a chance he'll he'll, he'll definitely want to stay. I think if we go down, obviously that's a different kettle of fish. Um, it just depends if he wants to repay that loyalty, and uh, ultimately, I think if we can, if we can afford him, really. But um, before we talk about the goal, gentlemen, um, a mention on Max Bird's red card, Corey. Uh, from the I stand, mean, first of all, the reaction of the Preston players based off hmm. of the challenge. Oh yeah, not equal. It was, it I've was... seen way harder tackles that have been way more reckless and way out of control that have garnered less of a thing. I don't know why that tackle got like all the Preston players. They were like, oh, and they were like trying to get the ref couldn't wait to get the card out of his pocket. He was just like, yep, already made up my mind. I don't need to think about this. And the Preston yeah. players, they're like, they were like incensed. So I don't understand why they were so incensed with that tackle because it didn't look. I mean, I, I think it was a red. I think the ball was rolling away. And I think anytime you have a, a ball rolling away from a player and he's reaching for it in the middle of the field, uh, in the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, you're, you're asking, you're asking for that, that kind of thing to happen, but the, the, the Preston players were outraged and I don't understand like what it's like, they all got wound up for some reason. I don't understand what that was all about, but yeah, for me, Jay red card, but then sadly, I mean, I was sitting here and I was like, oh man, Max Bird's going to be a, be a, be a miss for three games. But to be fair, if you're going to get a red card center midfield's probably the one place where Darby actually have a little bit of depth. Uh, where he'll be missed for three games, but not as missed if it was another position on the field because you slip out Max Bird, you slip in Christian Bielik, you can slip in Liam Thompson, you can slip in Jason Knight. So there are different pieces. You could put Ravel back there. So there are different pieces that you can do that. So while Max will be missing for three games, it's not the worst position to get a red card if you're going to get one. Obviously, not getting a red card is great, but you get my idea here is there's actually some depth in the center of the park. That's the only place where Darby have any real depth of, quality as well yeah definitely what did you sorry jay go ahead what did you make about no, it? yeah i mean for, for me obviously sat in the south stand it looked to stonewall we we've said it on this podcast many 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 times if you're gonna if you're going in for a ball like that and you leave the ground which is, is what he's done he's gone in hard you you give the referee a decision to make and you're right that how many times have we said that though player, when you're forcing yeah. the referee to make a decision yeah and then he's going to make it, and then you go, like, whoa, whoa, wait. And he's already sent somebody <laughs> off as well. You didn't have to force him to make the decision. Yeah, and he's already sent the player off. So he's like you're saying, he, he was quite quick to get it out of his pocket. So he, he, he was he was happy to flash the cards. You you make challenges like that, you are going to give give him a decision to make, and it's you know it's it's probably never going to go the way that you want it to go. I think you know, as we all do, we we look at it back and we we look at a slow mo of it or look at a different angle of it, and it looks completely different. But from where I could see it, sat behind the behind the goal in the south stand, as soon as it happened, I thought he's off, he's got me, he's got me gone. Um, and like you say, I think that the press the Preston players' reaction did kind of help to that, but the ref looked like he'd already made up his mind well before all that started going on. Um, and you know, it was in a decent place to to have judged it, as you say. Re, you know, replay show maybe he got a nick on the ball. I mean, I don't want tackling to go out of football, <laughs> you know, but it is becoming more and more that you can't make challenges like that anymore because of the fear of of getting sent off and and what a three game ban means to 
means for a lot of people. Uh, Jack, what your opinion on uh, Max Bird sending off, mate? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's I think it's red. I think the thing the thing with it is, as you're saying, from where you were sat, from what from what I've seen of replays and things that aren't slow motion, it absolutely looks like a red. So you can so even if he has got something on the ball, you can you know the referee doesn't have the slow mo at that moment because there's no VAR, and it's it's just not. It's not a smart tackle in any way, shape or form, is it? It's, I mean, I, I saw there'd been a red card and my instant reaction was, oh no, we've, um, you know, we've thrown away the man advantage. It, you know, it's the same thing as Peterborough. And you thought, right, so we've had an advantage. We've been on top since then. And now we've got, you know, we've thrown it away. And luckily again, we've managed to just about get the win. If we hadn't won that, we'd all be talking about that as, uh, you know, a lot more angrily, wouldn't we? He's, he's got away with it a bit. And as Corey says as well, the, the depth, it's not anywhere near as bad as it could have been. But yeah, stupid tackle. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a good point you make there, Jack, actually. I think, you know, if, if the result hadn't gone for Derby and results hadn't gone the other way, we could have quite easily, and you know what fans can be like, they can be fickle. They could well yeah. have pinpointed Max Bird for the reason that Derby County went got relegated because that that probably would have would have swung it that way. So I'm, I'm glad it didn't work out that way. Um, Andy, I want to I want to bring you in. You can more than happily have your opinion on Max Bird's um, sending off, but want to want to move it on as well a little bit and um, talk about the goal. But before the goal, um, as a man, as we say, who watches a lot of uh, football of the certainly of the Championship, one player that I was impressed with all afternoon was uh, Preston's goalkeeper, Daniel Iverson. I thought, obviously, because it was <laughs> leading up to the goal, he made two, three decent saves on the line. But I thought all game, he he um, he pulled off some good saves. Obviously, Ravel Morrison had another one, didn't he? Uh, Lee Buchanan had a chance, Nathan Byrne. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, they racked up. Um, decent goalkeeper, you know, <laughs> something that we've we've wanted for a while. Uh, he, he, looked, he looked pretty assured, Andy. Word on Max Bird's um, Max Bird sending off, and then you know Preston's goalkeeper and, and, and take us into the goal. Yeah, well, first of all, um, Max Bird definite red when you go lunging in like that and at full speed. Uh, the referee doesn't get any slow motion replays. He's going, you know, every day of the week. And uh, I've been a big Max Bird fan this season. I think after last season, he took a bit of flack from the fans, but. Um, uh, he, he's come into this season. I think he's been uh, very consistent, and the, the, there is a bit more physical side to his game as well. But uh, I think uh, with the pre-game ban, um, I know it's a position where we've got a little bit of depth in, but uh, maybe we will see uh, what we're missing and what Maxberg brings to the team. Uh, the, their goalkeeper, absolutely, um, he really earned his uh, wages on Saturday. Um, I was beginning to think uh, we was going to get nowhere past him. And he, even leading up to the goal, you know, the ball was cleared uh, a couple of times before it found its way to Morrison. And it just had that feeling that uh, no matter what we throw at them, the ball isn't going to, you know, hit the net. But uh, it, it found its way to Morrison. And what a, what, a scissors, what a scissor kick strike that was. As soon as he hit that, there was one place that was going and it was the back of the net. Um I would say that's probably uh, one of the uh, most pleasurable goals I've seen for quite a while at Pride Park. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. <laughs> it definitely was, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Andy, I think you make a good point there about Max Bird, is I think when he's out the team now for the next three games, maybe people will start to see what he brings to the table rather than just being like, oh, Christ, it's Max Bird in midfield again. Because I know I've been very critical of Max Bird as well in terms of not really understanding what kind of midfielder he is. Is he a pass master? Is he someone who breaks up play? Is he attacking player or something like that? Because sometimes last season, it just kind of seemed like he was there. So, you know, he has had a good season this year. I'm starting to come around on Max Bird, but it'll be interesting to see how people react now that he's out the team to see maybe what we're missing or, or what, what Max Bird brings to the team. But you're dead on there about the goal as well, wasn't he, Jay? I mean, you, you sit there and you've seen these pinballs in the boxes hundreds of times, and then someone always blazes over. And you're like, oh, Christ, that was exciting. But, you know, 
uh, the chance came and went. But, I mean, there was like two goal line clearances in there. There was a double save from the keeper, and then Ravel pops up with that scissor kick. And, I mean, it was it was an extremely pleasurable goal, wasn't it, Jason, to, to witness? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know me. I, I, like, I like to celebrate. I like. I like a goal. Me. I like to celebrate a goal when I see him. Oh, uh, yeah, football, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's very much like Andy. Andy said. Um, it got. It had that uh, Peterborough feel about it. It had that inevitable, not inevitability that Derby eventually were going to get one bef- before you know knocking on the door so many times. But I'd, it kind of did. Did have that feeling. And I mean, you know, ten minutes. Ten minutes earlier. Um, then it'd been it'd been a little bit better for the heart, but you know he's there. It, it, and we've we've pinpointed what we think you know is he's, he's turned up over the last couple of months, and he's putting in them performances, and, and we need him. And yeah, it's great to see a score from a set piece because actually all day the I don't know why I think Owobi took the first couple of um, first couple of corners and they were pretty decent, and then Tom Lawrence stuck his captain's chest out and he couldn't beat the first man, which. I, I, you know, anybody who can take should be able to take a corner. I mean, it's ridiculous. But yeah, to score from a score from a set piece was, you know, was fantastic. And uh, I want to move it on because I know time's rapidly running out, and there's a couple more points I want to touch on. I mean, in ter- in terms of the game, a couple of other, you know, people again, uh, Corey, Erin Cashin again at the back. Just he, he goes on and on, doesn't he? Baller. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks, and again, Malcolm Iwobi, in the, certainly in the first half, he kind of tired a little bit to the second half. I thought I thought it was fantastic. Um, you know my opinions on Festi Ebersele. I, I don't get the hype around him. Um, I think he's a good player, but I don't necessarily get the hype around him. And again, on Saturday, I think he was ineffective. Okay, he's playing on, on, on the side that, you know, it's not his natural side, but... People talk about him like he's, you know, the best thing in the championship, and he, he, and he, I, he, I just don't, I just don't have it. I don't get it. Um, but other than that, solid performance. And the point I want to bring us all in on is results kind of went our way. I mean, if if you wanted any result between the the Barnsley and Reading game, Corey, it was it was one one. And when Barnsley took that early lead, I was like, ah. But you rather would have had Barnsley win rather than Reading. But the problem is Barnsley are on a bit of a run, so you don't you want to kind of knock their confidence as and well. I had this conversation with my dad again because we were talking about the results and whatever, and he was like, "Well, Barnsley's playing Reading," and I thought, "I want to draw," and he's like, "You don't want one team to win over." I was like, "No, three points is too dangerous to both of those teams. So if they just split it and they each get a point, so they get a point further away, but then you you get the victory, you crawl two points closer." So I think yeah, results went the way, Jason. Um, and, you know, like Jack said, the first thing he summed up the, the game perfect is we got the job done. We got the three points. We can go home um, and now get a bit of uh, get a bit of momentum going into Swansea, who just smashed Cardiff 4-0. Um, but if we can go to South Wales and get a victory into that, let's just say we get let's just say we get a victory. Right. Going into uh, coming out of uh, coming out of Wales, you know, that's six points. Then Fulham is a bit of a free hit, maybe QPR. They're having a little bit of a wobble. They don't know if they're going to sack Warburton or not. So, um you know, and then you've got Bristol City coming up. So then Blackpool, then Cardiff, then your season's finished. So, you know, Darby need to go on a run and you can only go on a run by starting at the first step. And they have gone at the first step. Jack, I want to turn it over to you um, because both Malcolm Abouwe and Aaron Cashin, they're playing well. They've been great since they've come into the first team, but there's one problem, Jack. And you know what that problem is? They're both out of contract in summer. Um, yeah. It's kind of like the worst part for them to be playing well because they might not be here next season, but how great is it to see these young lads seize their opportunity with both hands, uh, start to play well, and, and hopefully we can keep them next season. So don't tell any other club that they're good. Yeah, I mean, that has gone through my head a few times. Should we all be shutting up about I want players? to. I want to put like an Aaron Cashing graphic out, but then I'm like, but then people will say like, they might pick up on that. They might figure out he's good. So maybe not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been one of the, fun things I guess about this season which so often has been miserable you know with the news that comes out every week but it's um it's great and we you know we want to keep hold of as many of them as possible because they're the future aren't they and they're their money they're assets that a buyer is going to be looking at going they can play well for us now we can also sell them on but 
potentially a lot of money. We we want to keep cash in so that he can play for us, but also at least we don't want to lose him on a free because we want to be able to cash in on him, don't we? We want to get a little bit, you know, just any sort of money for any of these players would be would be something right now. And you can see, you know, that's why the administrators have to sell certain players at certain points. You think Luke Plange, but in an ideal world, we obviously keep them. And whoever whoever does pop up with what we've seen all season, at least I think we can be fairly confident there will be somebody that comes next. Yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. I think it just proves that you know we thought this production line. I mean, you look at a player like Luke Plange, and I've said this before when we were looking at who could break through from the academy this season. And obviously, Luke Plange was in the 23s. He didn't come from the academy, but when we're looking for who's coming through the youth teams, his name wasn't even on the radar. And then we were able to sell him after eight games for a million pounds, which I was thinking about the other day, Andy. Isn't that crazy that Trevor Francis was a million pound footballer and so was Luke Planch? That's just crazy. And Trevor Francis won the European Cup twice. Mental, absolutely mental how much the game is expanded in terms of money. But then you, you look at it, and you, Malcolm Ebowelli was never somebody who we thought, oh, this guy's going to be breaking through. Aaron Cashin had the good run against Nats County. And you thought, is he really going to get a look in this season? So, you know, we do want to be able to keep him. And you're right, Jack. We, if we can recoup any money from them at all, that's a miracle. But obviously, I think, you know, you, if you go down or you stay up, you have a foundation there. You have two players you don't have to worry about that you know can play at this level. So that's two less players that you got to sign. That's two less players you got to worry about. That's two extra cogs in the wheel for next season. Um, Andy, the great escape is still on. Uh, we are, what, we've got, what, six games left? We're doing this thing, aren't we? It's possible. Um, I'm not going to predict that we are going to do it. I'm not going to say that we're definitely going down. I'm the world Because the worst. first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club, right? I think we take it one game at a time. Exactly. You know, um, get points. Six on cup the finals. Yeah, exactly. Fulham is the one that stands out as uh, being the uh, most difficult. Um, their team's full of class, isn't it? Harry Wilson, Carvalho, uh, Mitrovic, an absolute demon up front. Um, anything less than a shellacking against them uh, is, is going to be good. But, you know, we got that point at their place. We came under the cosh, but we held out and uh, we got the draw. But saying that, it's going to be massively, massively hard. And the reason I want the, the lads to avoid a thrashing against them, because you take one of them, it can really hit the confidence with the running of the other game. In in all the other matches, we are capable of getting points. Um, I just think that Fulham game is going to be very, very important, you know, to keep 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 the chins up, you know, keep this fighting spirit going. And, uh, you know, <laughs> a friend of mine has said that it's going to go to the last day of the season. Surely, please not again. <laughs> I don't think I could, I don't think I could take that. But uh, at the same um, on the same token, if it was a one game shootout, I would take it. Of course, I'd take it because at the minute, Derby are what six? Is it six points? Uh, I've not even looked at the table. Six points, uh, six points away. But yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> but I mean, <laughs> Derby's got to do something that they've only done t- twice before this season, and that's go away and win. And you would have to think that they're going to have to win at least one of their remaining three away games, which on the basis of looking what Blackpool looked like on, on Saturday, Corey, against yeah, uh, the I team down that. to 52. I, I, I mean, watched that. That was, that was not good. No, but that, that might come a game too late. Uh, unfortunately, if, if Derby don't pick something up, like you say, Swansea, which will, like Andy said, you've got to focus on them one at a time. Swansea comfortably mid table. I think last week, well, the game just gone was, was the, Big game. That's what they wanted. They obviously, yeah, they that was their that was their season. I mean, when you look yeah. at it, Jason, it's not the Swansea from the last couple of seasons that have been putting playoff campaigns together. This is a Swansea team that was that's under Russell Martin. That's a lot different than it has been over the last couple iterations of it. So, you know, Swansea last year was like, oh man, Swansea last year playoffs. This year, it's kind of like, meh, mid-table Swansea. I don't know. But again, all these teams are tough, and especially when you go into their place. And trying to get trying to get points on the board, it's gonna be it's gonna be extremely difficult. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. 
Fanable looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, check in on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the FanHub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four, and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff, so go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season, so stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, all kind of things Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits, and you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review as a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's, that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. Jason, before... Um, before we kind of close out, I wanted to get your opinion on the latest news coming out where the Derbyshire City Council and MPs um, are going to try to do something to buy Pride Park Stadium from Mel Morris to be able to clear the way for an ownership path and get your new get your ideas uh, or your thoughts on and, and for the whole group as well, Jack and Andy. Mel Morris surely isn't going to buy Derby County back, is he? I mean, it's surely not going back to Mel. Jack, come on. Talk me off the ledger. He's, he's not coming back, is he? Surely not. I mean, it can't happen. It just, that would seem completely ridiculous. It would just make a mockery of everything that's gone on, particularly over the last six months or so. I mean, this, this idea of the council buying the stadium, I think is, that I've not seen anything to suggest that's linked to Mel Morris buying the club. I think that's, Somewhat, you know, them wanting to get the stadium so it removes uh, roadblocks for somebody else to come in and purchase the club. I think it's a, I mean, they put this statement out this afternoon as we record this on Monday saying that they're, you know, ideally they want somebody to come in and buy the stadium, but they're kind of looking at every option. And yeah, it's, it's got to be on the table for them. If they can find that, they've got to consider every option because of the amount of, you know, the amount the club means to so many, both emotionally and, I mean, financially for the city and the county. And similar, similar thoughts? Yeah, uh, living in Lincoln, I'm not quite sure. Uh, have Derby City Council got elections this year, Jason? Uh... I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I must admit, I'm 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 a football man, not a politician. Uh, I so I, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, it's my honest answer. I know we've certainly had some like, local council elections coming up, so yeah, may may well be that the uh, the one for Derby City is as well. I I'm a former councillor, but now this has been mentioned: uh, the prospect of the city council buying the stadium. If they don't, they've made a bit of a rod for their own back here because there's local elections coming up and opposition uh, candidates uh, are going to beat them with this if, if they don't fulfil this now. Um, I understand that Derby City Council years ago helped the uh, cricket club out in a big way. So if not, you know, Derby County is the biggest sports asset uh, in the county. And... Uh, you know, there's going to be some pretty peeved uh, Derby fans uh, if the City Council don't now fulfil that, uh, that option, if it is the only option um, to keep the club going. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where the uh, original uh, sources were from, but uh, it, it's come from somewhere. And, uh, you know, I, I think the City Council have now put themselves in a position where 
if there's no other options, that they're, they're going to have to buy the club or they're going to take an awful lot of flack. I think it kind of, I think it came from Alan Nixon, didn't it, Corey? On, certainly on social media, it was him that, that, that certainly that I read it. I think, the, the, I mean, the whole underlining thing from, from all of this is, is why wait till now? Why wait six months down the line for the? They probably realize this is the only thing that's holding up the deal. Maybe that's the well, yeah, holding it up because you've got all the debts, and then you've got to buy the stadium. And Morris wants to be made a consultant to something, and they're like, "Look, no one wants to work with this guy. Just buy the stadium. That clears one other hurdle. We cleared the Gibson hurdle. We cleared the Wickham hurdle. We'll clear this hurdle." So that's why. Point. Former uh, Derby uh, director Peter Markles. Um. He's been uh, quite vocal during the whole of this saga. And, you know, uh, not a big fan of his, but to say, I will give him credit that he has been um, pretty much spot on with what he's forecast of what's going to happen. He he actually uh, hinted that Mel Morris is amongst uh, one of these parties uh, to buy the club. God help us if he, you know, if he ever got to um, that stage again. But he, months and months ago, um, asked, why aren't Derby City Council um, going to help the club? You know, that, as he pointed out, they helped the cricket club, who were perilously uh, close to, uh, well, just to say they had big financial problems. Derby County is the biggest asset. And, uh, you know, the Derby City Council do have a duty to help in any way in which they can. No, I, and you know, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I, I do fully agree with you. And you, you know, if this is, if this is an option to get the ball rolling again, then you know, absolutely fine. But I, I am just, I'm looking at it and going, why? I mean, Corey, you say that they're only just realizing that. Well, I said, you know, the comment was that they're only just realizing this is this is what's holding it up. Maybe I, I don't know. Any, but yeah, yeah. I, I just think anybody realistically knows that this this has been a problem for for quite some time. It was always going to be a problem. The price tag of fifty million pounds for Derby County was going to be a problem, um, and and obviously that's as you as you mentioned there, Andy, um, Mr. Marples has, has said has said as much on. I've seen him on uh, social media and stuff, saying yeah, and you know he's obviously been involved with Derby before. He clearly he, he clearly has got his ground to the ear ear to the ground should I say um, he, he knows what's going on he, he's he's not stupid and if he's going to say these things then you know we, we're going to have to start we're, we're certainly going to have to start listening because you know one one person we can't well a team of people we can't listen to is Quantuma yet again with another with another deadline I just don't understand how they can put out another deadline to say the bids have got to be in and then it go absolutely deathly quiet yet again um but again, if they if they are holding out for this fifty million pounds, then it's not. Then... Coming, Jay. It's no, not no, coming. it's not. It's not coming at all because I mean, no I one's going to take on, pay fifty million, and then have to pay off all the creditors and no. have to buy the stadium. I don't care unless you're in the Premier League and it's raining money. It's not going to happen. It it would be difficult enough to do that kind of deal in the Championship, let alone a team staring League One in the face. And not only staring League One, potentially staring League One with a 15-point deduction. So in two years, I'm a businessman. I pay 50 million, let's say 70 million, right? Plus I pay the debts off or I get some sort of payment plan. And I got a League Two football club potentially in two and a half years. And then you're fighting with the with the um the likes of Sutton United and Harrogate Town and stuff like that. And like, no disrespects to those clubs, but I mean it, they're not on the same financial level as Derby County, but then you're playing in that level. So you that that's what it is. Mm. No, uh, that's the sad thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so I think, I think that these next these next set of games, obviously from now until the end of the season, are crucial because if Derby stay in the championship, that deal it takes a heck of a it's a heck of a lot easier to to make that case if you're a businessman if right. you're in the championship as opposed to League One. It's a heck of a lot easier to rebuild in the championship than it is in League One. League One is tough. Sunderland cannot get out of League One. They have been in League One for like five years. They cannot get out of the league. They got smashed by some very solid league one club uh, at the weekend. They've been through like six managers, you know, it, it's incredibly difficult. So you can't rebuild down there because when you look at it, right. Peterborough might be crap in the championship, but they caked walk league one and they got a league one standard squad. 
So they're going to go down to League One. They're going to cakewalk it, just like Rotherham have this pat this season, right? You get these yo-yo teams. So Peterborough is already a favorite, already. Barnsley's already a favorite if they go, right? Or if Reading go, they've got to be a favorite. And then if Derby's down there, so then you're looking at three. Then you're in the playoffs. Then it gets a bit, then it gets a bit dicey. So these next these next games are going to be so crucial for Derby County uh, for the next few years. But I do think over the next couple of seasons, this is a rebuild job. This is we have no expectations. We have a football club, but we have no expectations of doing anything in any cups, doing anything in um, any league or anything like that. Like we just want to maintain, like like a Nigel Clough era. We're just here to maintain bottom third, stay out of the relegation zone, nice, safe, boring couple of seasons before we launch to rebuild. Although I was very excited at the prospect yesterday of Darby potentially winning the Papa John's pizza trophy. Cause oh. I'm in my life that we would never win anything in my entire lifetime. And if we won the Papa John's pizza trophy and they delivered the trophy on the back of like a moped, which was just super cool next to the, ball the car that ran the ball out at the euros that was cool too but man papa john's pizza trophy i'm printing that on my shirt we're gonna win that next season if we're good at it. hey it'd be, it'd I'm, be good, I'm all it? in on the papa john's pizza trophy <laughs> yeah i mean just just to just to wrap it up lads for for the pod i mean everything you've just said there Corey, is, is obviously d- definitely true D- derby if they stay up Jason, if they go down oh well yeah um, it, it's it's a massive re- rebuild job for whoever it is, and like I say, you know anybody. I don't know what planet the uh, administrators are sat on if they think they're going to get fifty million for a football club that don't own anything. Uh, it's just that's just absolutely beyond beyond me. They don't own, they don't own a team at the moment. Well, they won't in the summer. They won't have a team. They won't have a stadium. Don't even know if they actually own the uh, training facility as the, as the club. It's you know what are you what are you paying that kind of money for um, to then have to probably turf into it another few million to uh, to get to get a team going. But I want to end on end on a little bit of positivity, and it, I mean it's it's a question that we revisit, Corey. We, we've mentioned it. Derby lose, we're getting relegated. Derby win, we, we're staying up. Um, it is very much we've got we've got to take it point by point and game by game. But I'm going to, I'm going to run around the room to finish off. Corey, we'll start with you. It's five games to go. A six point gap. Can, can and will Derby do it? Got four words for you, Jason. We are staying up. That That's it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I mean, what what's the point of sitting here saying they're not going to do it? I'm a Derby County supporter. Every year, I think that they're going to win the league. Every year, I think they're going to get promoted. Every year, I sit there and I'm like, that's the kit that we're going to get promoted in. So why why stop believing that now? I mean, Darby's staying up. I, I don't need to say anymore. Darby's staying up. Jack? Yeah, so just to go back to an earlier point about elections, I've just done a Google got, uh, Derby City Council website. So there's elections on the 5th of May. So that'll be interesting with all of this now. Yeah, that could be that could be a good ploy to get some extra. A month away, two days before the final day of the season. Mm. Um, But but yeah, I mean, I think nobody thought we'd be in this position we're in now. I'm normally quite pessimistic, but I'll be honest, this team have given belief until it's mathematically impossible. Of course, we can do it, and. You know, if we put a run together like we did around Christmas time, as Curtis Davis pointed out after the match on Saturday, yeah, we can stay up. I'm, I'm going to back us. Fair enough. Andy, come on. What, what's your honest opinions? Do you think Dobby have got enough to do it? I think we can do it. I'm not confident enough to say we will do it. Um, there's plenty of fighting spirit within the team. And Apart from the fact that, you know, we're in the bottom three, I think overall the season's been pretty enjoyable. You know, the, the fans getting behind the team. There's been some great atmospheres at the games. Um, my heart says we can. What does my head say? I'm, I'm really undecided. Uh, but, you know, I'll stick my neck out and say we're going to stay up. Uh, Jason, come on. Like. 
No, well, uh, hey, we have to have level. We have to have level on the on the on the podcast. I can remove you from the meeting as well, Jason. You can. I, I think I, I agree with you all. I think I think this team has given absolutely everything this season. How much more has it got to give? And it would be it would be an unbelievable achievement. And it it, it, it almost seems destined in the stars to go down to that last day and and win it on the last and do it on the last day and stay up. Um, I, I certainly believe because yesterday I booked my tickets to go to Blackpool, so I'm going. Um, if we can still stay up or, or not, I'll I'll be on the uh, I'll be on the east, I'll be on the west coast. Uh, and I'll you're be, not going to be wearing I'll your speedo down Pleasure Beach, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not going to be. I don't. Okay, think so, good, but... good. Because we don't need people jumping off the pier, Jason. <laughs> I think. I think personally, for me, I th- I think the. Nothing's going to be one. Nothing's going to be decided next week. I think the Easter weekend is is where it's going to count, and the two games, Fulham and QPR. I think realistically, Derby are going to have to win one of them, and I'm not a hundred percent confident that they can do it. Um, I mean, obviously, if the other teams lose games, then it might not go down to that weekend, but it. We know over previous seasons that that Easter weekend tends to separate the wheat from the chaff. It, it really does tend to tend to line things up, and then you've either got three games to go and the three favourable games, or you're playing you're playing for pride. Which at the end of the day, Derby have played with. I think have, have earned more than enough pride so far this season. So I'm I'm I I I just don't know. I, I'm a bit like Andy. I just don't know at the minute. Um. I'm very much up and down. They, they're going to have to do something that they've not done a lot of this year, and that's win away. Yeah, they're still going to have to grind out one or two big results. Um, and I think that the other thing it, you've got to rely on three other teams losing four out of the last six, which I, I don't know. Obviously, this week, just to put it out there, I think the games in Ander play tomorrow night, tomorrow yeah. Wednesday night. Um, Isn't it Reading Jack? play, Peterborough mm. play, but uh, Barnsley don't. That's not until twenty sixth of April. Right. Well, at least two of them then. So certainly the one that we're all chasing, Reading, will know if that gap stretches to nine, um, or or if it stays stays as it is at six. I think if it stays as it is at six, chances are it's it's game on. I think if it does stretch to nine, a nine point swing in six in five games is is a hell of a lot to ask, um, and I, I'm. I'm going to reserve judgment until until next next week's episode, I think, and then I might I might have a bit more of an answer for you. But um, of course, in my heart, I want Derby to do it. Um, I've still got I've got one eye of some tasty trips in League One, but of course we we want to be we want to be in the Championship. Of course we do, because if you start the season in the Championship, you're only 46 games away from the Premier League every time. So um, I think that's a great way to end it. And. Of course, I've got to say thank you. Thank you to Jack. It, it, thanks for making your podcast debut. Hopefully it won't be your last on. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, appreciate everything you've been doing for us recently. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been great. This is just, you know, people happy to humour me and talk about the stuff I talk about anyway. So, that's yeah. It's what we do it. It's what we do it for. Yeah. And uh, Andy, as a, as, a, as a veteran of the pod now, uh, you've, you've, done nearly, you've nearly done more episodes than me this, the, this year so far. Uh, always a pleasure, mate. Thanks very much. Uh, you're welcome. Oh, always uh, glad to come on and chew over the fat. And Corey, obviously, as always, the, the second captain. Um, it, pleasure. So I'm pleasure like the Curtis to be Davis, on board. and you're more like the Tom Lawrence. Mm, maybe, maybe. But it's, it's great to have you. It's great to be in front of you all again. It's been it's been a couple of weeks for me. So I've I've been doing segments on my own in 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 my van on my phone and all sorts because I've I've been struggling for struggling for internet. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great to reconvene. Um, we've had a good uh, we've had a good hour there, and um, thanks for joining us. Always, Corey, and I'm obviously we'll uh, I'll, I'll see you next week. Yeah, for sure, Jack, Andy. Thanks again for uh, for coming on, and appreciate what you guys have done to make this podcast so successful uh, this season. And we look forward to you know continuing to work with you guys both in writing and on the podcast for the foreseeable future. But Andy and Jack, thank you so much, and, and Jason, it's great to be back with you again. I know it's been a strange couple of weeks for everybody with the international break, but we have been busy. We've got another second part of our exclusive with Muster Michael Knighton uh, in the pipeline to come out later on. We've got a, a 
might have one or two surprises as well as bonus episodes leading it up until the end of the season. So we've got our schedule kind of kind of sorted now, don't we, Jason, for, for now. Sort of. season. So it's good to be a bit more organized with that. Um, and we hopefully we'll be talking next week about another three points. So Jason, I'll leave it to you to say the final famous words. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. No, I, I fully agree with you. But yeah, some exciting stuff coming up. And hopefully we've got some more things on the pitch to cheer about as well. Time is up for this episode. Thanks very much for everybody who's been involved. Thanks for listening and up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.